If uh, any of you have ever traveled on vacation as a family together, kind of down south to the Missouri area, the Ozarks, Branson, around that kind of area, there is a strong chance uh, that while there, you may have gone and eaten at a rather famous restaurant or a group of restaurants down there called Lambert's. Anyone been to Lambert's? Yeah, a few of you have been there, yeah. So for those who haven't been there, Lambert's is uh, famous for its country-style cooking. But there's another thing that kind of makes them a little bit famous. And the legend is that it goes back to when it first opened back in the 1940s. And Earl Lambert's, the founder, the chef, the owner of the restaurant, he was super busy. He was understaffed. The restaurant was doing really well. Customers were, were filling the dining area. And uh, he was back in the kitchen one day trying to cook and keep up with all the orders. And, and one of the customers called out, hey, Earl, I want one of your rolls, those great rolls that you make. And, and Earl says, you know, I'm super busy right now. When I get finished here, I'll, I'll come out and I'll bring you some more rolls. And, and the customer said, just throw it. Just throw me the roll. Don't stop what you're doing. So Earl just picked up one of his rolls and, and threw it across the restaurant. And it began a tradition that is still carried on today that when you're at the restaurant, the servers will come out with these carts of these fresh baked hot rolls and you stick your hand up, and they will throw that thing. Um, we've been there, my family now. I mean, they throw that clear across the restaurant, and you better not be waving or just scratching your head or something, because you've got a roll coming your way if your hand is even slightly above the table. The other challenge is sometimes more than one of them comes out at once. When we were there, uh, my son, he was watching one guy ready, but the other guy had thrown it, and unbeknownst to him, and it just right in the eye hit him. <laughs> I mean, he was crying, his eye was red. We're like, it's all right, buddy. Just didn't enjoy his experience there. But uh, we had a good time. And, uh, and that's kind of what Lambert's is famous for. It's their website, thethrowedrolls.com. These, these bread rolls are what make them famous. And did you know that 2,000 years ago, there was something that happened uh, in the life of Jesus that involved some rolls that made him famous? Five rolls, to be exact, or five small loaves and two fish. And uh, Jesus didn't throw his rolls out to the crowds, but he did pray a blessing over them. And his disciples started to distribute that small sack lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish. And miraculously, 5,000 people were fed that day from that one small portion of food. It was such a great miracle that every one of the gospel writers, every one of the guys who wrote about the life of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story. They all tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's the only miracle that shows up in all four accounts of Jesus' life outside of the, the resurrection miracle, his death and resurrection. And this morning... We're actually going to look at something that happens right after that famous miracle, but still kind of tied around the idea of bread, because immediately following that miracle, Jesus has this interaction with the crowd, and he makes the statement that some of you may have heard before. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And we're actually going to start this morning a brand new series here at Connect that's going to go on for the next seven weeks because there are seven different phrases that Jesus said in John's account of his life that begin with the words, I am. The first one this morning we're looking at is, I am the bread of life. And there are six more that we're going to look at in the coming weeks. They're all found in John's gospel. And that's significant because um, we believe that the John who wrote this account of Jesus' life, the gospel, is actually John the disciple. 
The John who who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, who saw Jesus crucified on a cross, who following Jesus' death and resurrection was one of the apostles who helped to build the New Testament church and who decided one day that he wants to write down his account of the life of Jesus because he knew there would be people who would come in the, the weeks and the months and the years to come that didn't get to see Jesus do these things with their own eyes. So he wanted them to be able to see them through his eyes. He wanted people to believe in Jesus, to believe that Jesus was who he said he was because of his testimony, because of what he had seen. Last year, here at Connect, we actually did a series. It was called Signs. Signs, and it was based on um, uh, the miracles that Jesus performed because John, he talks about seven different miracles in his, in his letter, and he refers to them as signs. And he explains these signs because he says, listen, if you saw what I saw, you too would believe. If you saw the signs that I saw, you would believe just like I believed. And John, it appears, seems to like the number seven because as well as seven signs, he also shares these seven statements that Jesus made because he wants everyone to understand who Jesus was, that he was the son of God and the aspects of his life. And and, and we look this morning, what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the bread of life? Well, we're gonna find out. So following the miracle that Jesus fed 5,000, we can see in John chapter six, the following takes place. Verse 24 of John chapter six says, so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake. And they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs. He's given a little dig here to this crowd because the crowd have approached Jesus saying, Jesus, here you are. We've been looking everywhere for you. He really wants to find you. He wants to, we wants to see you. Given the impression they want to learn more about him, hear what he has to teach, hear what he has to say. And Jesus calls them out and says, hey, you're not here to see me. You're here because yesterday you got a free lunch. And you kind of want another free lunch today, don't you? He recognizes the reason they're pursuing him is because of what he did the day before. Now, I get it. I can relate to the crowds. Who doesn't like a free lunch? Last month, February, was my birthday, okay? February the 16th, if you're taking notes. Uh, There was last month, February 16th. Over the years, I've compiled a little list in my notes app on my phone of all the freebies that I qualify for on my birthday month, on my birthday. Did you know there are restaurants and businesses? I get a free cup of coffee at Starbucks. I get a free milkshake at Steak and Shake. I get a free burger at Red Robin. It's just a great month. And I go down and I check every one of those off. (laughs) Casey, my wife, you know, she's picked a winner in me because the day of my birth, some some of them are only good on the day of your birthday. So we're all over Peoria, making sure that we're getting our six free Buffalo Wild Wings and and everything else. (laughs) I told Casey that I was gonna share this story in church today. Uh, thinking, you guys are going to be so impressed at my ingenuity and my, uh, you know, my, this amazing talent of mine. She's like, Dave, they're not going to be impressed. <laughs> they're going to think you're a sad man. <laughs> but I tell you what, when I was eating that free slice of chocolate cake from Portillo's, I was not a sad man. <laughs> so come find me afterwards. I'll share my list. 
The disciples, or sorry, the crowd, they're thinking, it's like it's our birthday month. We got a free lunch yesterday. Let's go find Jesus. We might get another free lunch. Today is everybody's birthday. And Jesus says, no, you've missed the point. Yes, it was miraculous. And yes, you all got to eat, but something bigger was happening because you don't understand who I am. He says in verse 27, don't be concerned about perishable things like food. You're you're worried about these free things, this free lunch, but spend your energy instead seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. He's saying, God the Father, has. I am who he has sent. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And he told them, this is the only work God wants from you, believe. The only thing you have to do, believe. Believe in the one, Jesus, he has sent. He's trying to make, them as, make this as easy as possible for them to understand. You think you've got to do something, but it's so much simpler than that. You've just got to believe. You've just got to believe based on the miracles that you've seen that I am who I claim to be. I am the Son of God. John talks about this, and I think John intentionally um, puts this this sentence in there to make sure that we we hear it because the key um, focus of the letter that John wrote was belief. He wanted everyone to understand and, and believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Verse 30 to 31, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Okay, we'll believe, but but show us another one of those miracles you do. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're almost trying to taunt Jesus into doing more. They're saying, hey, Jesus, you fed us yesterday, and that was pretty cool, but, but we know from our history that hundreds of years ago, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land, and there was a time when they were in the desert where every day they got to eat bread. Every day. It was miraculous. This manna was provided every single day. You've done it once. Come on, Jesus. Let's, let's, let's see some more of these miracles. Here's how Jesus responds in verse 32. He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread of heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They're like, that sounds good. Sir, give us that bread Every day, we want some of that bread. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. They're like, Jesus, this bread you're talking about sounds incredible. What is it? How do we get it? And Jesus says, I'll tell you, I, I am the bread. I am the bread you're looking for. I am the bread of life. And there is such a lot packed into those five short words. I am the bread of life. You see, when he said, I am, that wasn't just starting out the sentence. That was very significant that Jesus used those two words. 
That was his way of explaining, I'm not just a teacher speaking on behalf of God. I am God in the flesh. And here's how the crowd would have knew that that day. Because when he said the words, I am, it would have taken them back to the story in the Old Testament. We read about it in Exodus of this, this moment. Maybe some of you, if you grew up going to church, you'll remember this story from your Sunday school classes. Uh, there was a time when this bush was on fire. This burning bush. And a man by the name of Moses, he went up to the bush to try and investigate what was going on. And a voice came from the bush and spoke to Moses. The voice said, you are to go back to Egypt where the Israelites are in slavery. You're to rescue them from slavery, to take them into the promised land. You're going to go through the Red Sea. You're going to deliver them all. You're to go to Pharaoh and say, you've got to let my people go. And this is God speaking through this fire to Moses. And Moses says to God, if I say that, there's no way they'll listen to just me. Who shall I say sent me? And Exodus 3, verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. In the Hebrew that this was written in originally, I am who I am, it literally means Yahweh. It's the formal name of God. God is introducing himself to Moses in that moment saying, I am. Tell them God sent you. So now you have to understand how this would have landed when Jesus said to the crowds, I am the bread of life. It would have been kind of like this. Imagine if you'd arrived this morning and you were just kind of hanging out in the lobby. Maybe you're getting a cup of coffee and you've never been here before. And, and I come up and I, I say, hi, it's great to see you. And I shake your hands. And, and being the intelligent person you are, you can tell. You're like, hey, you're not from around here, are you? And I say, correct. This isn't a Washington accent. And then you, being even more amazing, would say, it sounds like you're from England. And I'd be very happy because I am from England. Not Australia, which is what 85% of the people guess every time they talk to me. <laughs> England. You'd say, it sounds like you're from England. I'd say, I am. <laughs> I am. I'd say, yes, I'm from England. And then imagine if I you, in fact, I'm the king of England. <laughs> exactly. You'd laugh, I'd laugh. But then I said, no, seriously, I am the king of England. <laughs> You'd be like, <laughs> all right, not as funny now. You're kind of a bit weird. <laughs> If I kept trying to convince you that I am the king of England, however you felt in that moment, times that by a million. Because in this religious culture, there is suddenly a man stood before the crowd saying, I am the son of God. The father sent me. I am God in the flesh. As crazy as it sounds for me to try and claim I'm the king of England, how much crazier must it have been for Jesus in this moment to introduce himself as I am Yahweh, God. And I think the people would have been right to question it had they not seen some of the signs that John talked about. By the first I am in John, we've already heard of five different signs before Jesus officially introduces himself. They've seen these miraculous signs take place. And I think the crowd in that moment must have said, this is crazy what he's saying, but we can't dispute the fact that this man is performing miracles. That when he teaches, he teaches with such authority and power. Maybe 
Maybe he is who he says he is. And he didn't just say, I am, to introduce who he was. He said, I am the bread of life. He also wants to introduce what he had to offer, what he brought from God to the people. Do you know, in the New Testament, the New Testament is written in Greek, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. They were the languages of their day. And uh, in the Greek language, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, there's actually two Greek words for the word life. So we miss that because they're both translated life, so we always just read it as life. But um, one of those Greek words is bios, and one is zoe. Bios is where we get biology, biography. It just kind of refers to our life, the beginning, the middle, the end, you know, our existence. But when you hear the word zoe, it talks about life, the fullness of life. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was using the Greek word zoe. I am life to the full. In a couple of weeks' time, it's spring break here in Washington, and um, maybe some of you are heading to warmer places. Maybe some of you are going to get on a plane or get in a car and drive down to Florida or Alabama or somewhere much hotter than around here. And we're probably going to know that you're there because at some point on either Facebook or Instagram, we're going to see a picture of your feet at the end of a sunbed with the beach and the ocean beyond and we're all gonna be sick and mad at you because we're stuck back here working and you're down there laying on the beach. And if you do post that picture, you'll probably put a caption underneath that'll say something like, ah, this is the life. And it is. (laughs) And that's Zoe life. You're not talking about the biological life. You're talking about a quality of life. You're laying out there in the sunshine. This is the life. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was talking about a fullness of life. He's saying you can eat regular bread and it will keep you alive. It will feed the bios part of your life. But I am the bread of Zoe life. I can give you a fullness, a life that is just unbeatable. A life complete. This morning between our first service and this service, 25 people chose to get baptized to show that through a relationship with Jesus, they have discovered that fullness of life. Not just an assurance that when they die, they'll live forever with him in heaven, but also um, that they get to experience a full and complete life now because Jesus is the center of it. So this morning, when I say that Jesus wants to be the bread of life, how does that affect us here today? We, we've learned what it was like for the crowd back in the time, but, but to us today in 2023, what does the bread of life mean to us? Well, maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. You may be newer to connect. You're still kind of checking things out. You're not really 100% sure what you believe. You could be a friend or a guest or a relative of somebody who's being baptized here today. And as you hear about Jesus and you hear about this fullness of life, maybe, maybe there's a part of you that, that is intrigued and says, I would like to experience that same kind of life. I would like to experience what the folks who got baptized today and talked about in the videos, I'd like to experience that life. And you might ask the question, what should I do? What should I do to experience that life? Well, the people who were with Jesus, they asked the same question, didn't they? Verse 28 said, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And do you remember how Jesus responded? This is the only work God wants from you. 
Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. Many of us get caught in a trap of thinking, well, I'd like to experience the bread of life. I'd like a relationship with Jesus. So maybe if I do as much as I can, if I, if I do as much good as I can, if I work hard at being the best I can be, if I, if I work hard at trying not to do things wrong, then maybe I can do enough to warrant a relationship with Jesus. One of the ladies in the video, Francie, she talked about that, how she felt like she was trying to, to earn God's love and to do enough to make him happy or proud with her. But the truth is, we receive the bread of life not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. We don't receive the bread of life because of what we do, but because of what was done. And two weeks from today, we are gonna celebrate what was done. Right here in this place, Easter Sunday, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We'll have a service on Good Friday to remember the, the crucifixion, but the reality is it didn't end there. On Easter Sunday, he rose again, and we're gonna celebrate that. In fact, it's such a big celebration for us here at Connect, and we've been having some, some bigger crowds here over the last few weeks, that so we've realized we don't think we can, we can um, fit everybody in in just two services. So we're gonna have three services on Easter Sunday morning so that everyone gets to have a seat and any visitors or friends you invite who get to come along, there'll be, there'll be room for everyone. And we decided we're gonna pick three times that don't currently exist, 8.30, 9.45, and 11. So everyone has to pick a new time. There's not one time that matches the service you currently go to. But we're hoping that over those three different services, we're gonna to get to hear the amazing, life-changing story of Jesus dying and rising again. Because he did that for us so that we don't have to do, because we'll never be able to do enough. So we just need to simply believe. And if we'll believe and we'll ask Jesus into our lives, he will change us from the inside out. Our lives will change. But we don't need to change first before we come to him. We come just as we are. We simply believe. And out of that belief, our life is transformed. Now, let me be clear here this morning because I would love every one of you to experience Jesus in your lives. I would love every one of you to just believe and see your lives change, but I wanna be clear uh, uh, what that looks like. Sometimes the bread of life that Jesus offers is the best bread you can imagine. He brings peace and love and grace and forgiveness and joy and so much more. And it's like eating the most amazing bread there is, which of course is Hawaiian bread. It's the most amazing bread there is. Why, why do we eat anything other than Hawaiian bread? If, you, if you've never tried it, it's, it's fantastic. But the reality is, and many here who are followers of Jesus will tell you this, that when you, are, when you do make a decision to follow Jesus, yes, it's the most amazing experience, but sometimes it can be a challenge. Sometimes Jesus shows us things in our life that might need to change, and it's difficult. He shines a light on something, maybe it's an attitude or, or a behavior in our lives, and we realize, wow, that's, that's not quite right. Something in me needs to change. Last week here at Connect, I, I talked about um, that Jesus calls us to honor one another, to respect and love one another. Even the people around us who we don't agree with or who don't think like us or look like us, we are still called as Jesus' followers to honor those people around us. I had a few conversations in the lobby after church from people saying, that was tough. That was a tough message to hear. And I would respond and say, I know. I was preaching it. It was tough for me because I struggle with that sometimes. 
sometimes there are things that, that, that Jesus reveals in our life, and it's, it's, it's a little bit harder to consume. It's, it's more like eating a slice of rye bread or some kind of garlic pumpernickel wheat bread or something that's just not very nice. I know, there's some of you here who's like, no, Dave, I like that bread. That's just weird. You've clearly never eaten a chocolate croissant in your life because that is bread. But whether it's the blessing that Jesus brings in our life or the tough lessons that he sometimes leads us through, all of them come together to give this wonderful, fulfilled Zoe life. And I really hope and pray that all of you will experience that life here today. But can I just throw out one last thought? And this is to those of you who are here this morning and you are followers of Jesus. Maybe as you're listening to, to Jesus describe himself as the bread of life, you're thinking, this is great for my friends who don't yet know Jesus to hear. I hope they respond to this message. But I think even we as followers of Jesus can be challenged by this thought that Jesus wants to be the bread of our life because I think some of us are treating Jesus like he's the bread when in actual fact he should be the bread. I know that's not a typo. I'll say it again. I'll explain it. Sometimes we treat Jesus like he's the bread when actually he should be the bread. I'll explain. Um, a few weeks ago, our staff got to go to a conference together and uh, it was a wonderful time. It was a church planting conference and a lovely family, a wonderful family in the church. They knew we were going and uh, the husband, he came to me and said, hey, I want you to treat the staff while you're down there. I want to pay for a meal for you and the staff while you're down there at a nice restaurant. Take them somewhere really nice, fancy restaurant. I want them, I want them to enjoy a night out on me. We, I just, my family just appreciates what you guys do. It was a lovely um, thing that he did. So we found this beautiful restaurant. It was called The Palm, very fancy restaurant. And before our meal arrived, they brought us these bread baskets. I've never seen a nicer basket of bread at a restaurant. It was like different types of bread. There were some sweet breads. There were some different, even the butter was amazing. We're all sat there. We obviously don't eat restaurants like this very often because we're all sitting there going, this bread's amazing. Have you tried this one? I mean, we're like really excited about the bread. But then the main course came out. Some of us had steak, some had salmon, some had chicken, some had pasta. I'll tell you what, the bread was good, but that, that was amazing. That was why we went to that restaurant. I don't think many people go to this restaurant because of the bread. They like it, but I think they're going for the main course. Back in Jesus' time, especially to the crowds he was talking to, maybe not so much the rich people, but the general everyday people, bread was a key part of their diet. It was a major part of their diet. This was something that kept them alive every single day. So when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, what they heard was, he wants to be the main thing in our life. Because we live in a culture today now where bread's just something we put on the side. It's something that comes on the side, but this is the main course. I wonder if there are some of us here this morning and, and Jesus has become just something on the side. We come to church, we give him an hour on a Sunday morning. Throughout our week, he, he shows up every now and again. But is Jesus the main dish or is he at the side? Because some of us are treating Jesus like he's the bread when in actual fact, he should be the bread, the center of our lives, something that everything flows through and out of. He's the bread of our lives. A guy by the name of Charles Allen wrote a book called God's Psychiatry. In his book, he tells a story about um, uh, something that took place just following World War II. He says, after World War II, the number of hungry orphans that filled Europe overwhelms the Allied troops. 
The children were placed in camps where they could be well fed and cared for. Those who were left in charge of the children were surprised to notice that despite the excellent care, the children were not sleeping well. They were overcome with anxiety and fear. And a psychologist finally decided upon a solution. And he gave each child a piece of bread to hold after he or she was put to bed. The result of the experiment was astonishing. There was a drastic change in the children's demeanor. As they went to bed knowing for certain that they would have food for the next day. From that day forward, the children slept in peace. The orphans of World War II were anxious because they doubted provision, but holding on to a slice of bread as they slept brought peace to their worried souls. I think in our lives, there's a lot of things that represents bread. We consume things and we pursue uh, things in this world, and it's like bread. They, They satisfy us for a time, but then leave us hungry again afterwards. And maybe some of us, We sense that there's something missing. We've tried to fill it, but this bread doesn't fill us. Maybe we even sleep like these children with a little bit of anxiety or fear, wondering if there is something more. And like the children who are given bread to go to sleep with, Jesus wants to be the bread of your life, to give you that peace and comfort and knowledge that he is all you need. He will fill you, sustain you. He will give you a Zoe kind of life, a fullness of life that we really will never find anywhere else other than in him. Many people this morning, as you heard on the video, have experienced that in their lives. And I hope and pray that every one of you here today, you too get to experience that same bread of life too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that John knew the importance of the words and signs of Jesus, so much so that he had to write it down. He wanted everyone to to know what he had seen and heard because he knew he was fortunate enough to be with Jesus when he said the things he said and to, to, to see him do the things he did. But he knew there would be many shortly after, even I wonder if he knew that 2,000 years later there would be people questioning whether Jesus was who he said he was. So Lord, this morning... We, we think about that phrase that you said, I am the bread of life, through the lens of John saying, if you could have heard him say it, you would have understood that, that what he said was true. He was the bread of life. The miracle was great. He fed 5,000 people, but you know what? The next day they were hungry. But any who discovered Jesus, their Lord and Savior, who asked him into their hearts, they never hungered again because he's the true bread of life. Let us experience that bread this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.